0: I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you.
1: Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. Woman, what I say. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall.
0: Riesan Shine, Liberty Loving Patriots, welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I have with me my husband and co-host, JC Hall, and I've got good news for you this morning, JC. What's that? The colon was found. Oh, good, good. <laughs> the stolen colon from a Kansas city nonprofit that we talked about yesterday on the show was found in an abandoned home after a tip came to the police. (laughs) Nice. Nice. So I thought you'd be happy to find out that the stolen colon was found. (laughs) So you sent me a really interesting story this morning, JC, because we're remember we're going to get into this fourth amendment issue today because this is really, really important, because this Fourth Amendment issue outlines the real problems with uh, how we deal with the Constitution, how we deal with the rights of the people, how we deal with government power, all wrapped up into one beautiful little case. And I think you're going to find this very, 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 very interesting. I know that you've already... Uh, looked at the case, but we're going to go through it a little bit in detail so we can help other people understand what this problem is. Now, um, you sent me this story from time.com and I couldn't, I mean, I can actually believe it, but uh, it it seems to me even more alarming given all of the political hoopla, right? So, um, apparently... There's a hackathon conference that's held every year. Yeah. It's called DEF CON. Yep. The DEF CON hackathon conference was just held, uh, was held in August of this year. And in August of this year, believe it or not, are you guys sitting down? Because I'm sure this is going to be shocking. An 11-year-old boy managed to hack into a imitation Florida state voting website and change the results of the election in fewer than 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. There were actually 30 kids from eight to 16 that were able to hack the website. It it basically mirrored Florida's uh, voting state voting website.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and I also saw, I saw this, there was, um, I think Symantec I, I think are the ones that make uh I don't anyway they, they make some of the uh antivirus software, I forget which one, but anyway they they were talking about hacking into the, the actual voting machine. So apparently uh-huh. you, you can go on ebay and for fifteen bucks buy this little card and these electric electronic voting machines. You you just walk up with that little card and reset the machine vote over and over again, hack the machine just in seconds.
0: Well, according to Time, <clears throat> according to Time, this uh, DEFCON uh, conference included 13 imitation websites linked to uh, what we n- naturally call battleground states. So they were able to hack into 13. I mean, it's not just Florida, right? Right. They were able to hack into 13 states uh, their election websites. So what makes it really crazy is, y- y- you know, we have uh, hacking into the voting machine seems insidious enough. But it appears to me, now c- tell me if I'm wrong, they're hacking into the websites themselves.
1: Yeah, websites, so, voting machines. So you
0: can do a paper ballot, and it won't matter because they're still hacking into the website, which is the final tally.
1: Well, that's what the, the uh, one of the analysts or chiefs from Symantec was talking about once they become electronic, because th- he made the same point, basically the paper ballot. He said, well, once they become electronic, then that's when they that's when they can be hacked. And right. he talked about uh, the transfer of the data Mm-hmm. You know is unencrypted, unsecured. So, you know all hackable. And they were saying that sixty—I think something like sixty percent of precincts—they don't—they don't even do an audit. They—they they don't do a post audit uh, paper trail. Many many of these voting precincts don't even have a paper trail.
0: Yeah. See this. This is insanity.
1: Yeah. So listening to it, I mean, it sounds like. I mean, we've we've heard about voter fraud and that sort of thing, and, and we've we've seen uh, Catherine Engelbrick's stuff and work with those guys before. Right, saw right, right. saw that all the inconsistencies and the over one hundred percent Democrat voting in various precincts around the state, particularly swing states. Yeah, the joke but that, that you have that
0: you that you vote more when you're dead than you're alive is 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 vote, based on you
1: vote Democrat fact. But th- 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 so it seems, actually, seems like our voting system is less secure than ever. Yeah. Like it sounds like it's getting worse.
0: Well, I think that explains why Harry Reid continues to win. I think that explains why a lot of people continue to win, why these incumbents stay in office, yep. especially when uh so I I believe this to be true because here's the thing. We've been we've been traveling and teaching for a long time. Now, granted we don't Teach a hundred percent of a voting pool, right? But we do in in certain places not only teach a large portion of the voting pool, but we teach the largest portion of the most active of the voting pools. Sure. And two or three, this was three years ago, in Ohio, the largest portion of the largest active Republican voting pool was vehemently and adamantly and actively against Boehner. Yeah. And I knew Boehner was gonna lose. But he did not. He did not lose.
1: Yeah, and it didn't that precinct didn't reflect what we saw. No. Yeah. So no, yeah, there's it did stuff not. goes on everywhere. So this
0: is just this is just crazy. Well that's
1: and I think that's why the we run into a lot of groups that do the uh vote, voting observers, precinct observers, uh you know, mm-hmm. so that's really it's really important if I would say if you have, uh, you know, a group somewhere in your area or, mm-hmm. you know, that or you don't whatever start one, get get involved in these um, precinct precinct observation. You know, they have have people that go to the polls and just basically keep an eye on. And I, a lot of the times the people working the polls, I mean, the people mm-hmm. in charge We're we were listening to stories in, here uh, in Texas. Uh, some of the s- stuff that people were doing, and a couple of them just like trying to be helpful. And mm-hmm. somebody, somebody goes, Some older elderly voter is like, I'm not sure about this. And the polling worker goes, Oh, here, I'll fill it out for you.
0: Yeah, go, uh, yeah wait yeah. a minute. Yeah, yeah, can't do that.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> right. just right. a lot of crazy stuff like that. Yeah. With just observers there, you could nip that thing in the bud, and then when these cards that they can walk up with the card and hack the thing just like that. You can keep an eye on stuff like that. You know, so that's really...
0: And I would think the post-poll, uh, post-voting polls become more important in a situation like that. Yeah. Because if you have an observer saying, asking you how did you vote, well, they're not just being nosy anymore. They're trying to keep a tally as yeah. As, yeah, exactly. as an outside check and balance. The problem becomes, like you said...
1: When they're electronic.
0: When they're electronic, then well, everything d- becomes electronic. Yeah. But then, you, like you said, they don't even have a, a check and balance within the system. Right. There's nobody going back and, and auditing or anything. And, and even if they do audit, you know, I'm, these things, well, if they audit, tech guys are so good these days, they can tell if things have been hacked.
1: We'll in, say if they, so have, if they have a paper ballot, use a paper ballot. Yeah. Don't go all electronic. I mean, even paper ballots in Florida where we are. At least in our area, you know, you fill in the Scantron type thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's paper, and then it scans into the machine to record and tally your vote. Right. But but you at least have that stack of pay. You have paper trail. You have a paper. Right. Pallet. No so way. So somebody
0: can somebody challenges it. They yeah. can actually go back by hand. And no way
1: it. would I be straight no. electronic. No way. I watched a video where a guy was clicking like you had. It was a touch screen, mm-hmm. and you had to touch the square, and you watched him touch the Republican candidate and immediately the Democrat box was X'd just he touched boom the other one was X'd so that was right you know right then and there Mm -hmm. uh in Texas they're having a lot of problems with these machines where they have the option of voting straight ticket yeah so you would vote straight ticket and you know all Democrat all Republican or whatever actually in these cases all Republican and then it would it would flip uh Democrat or several candidates a Democrat or not include certain Mm -hmm. Republican candidates. So. So, yeah, so stay away from
0: those straight ticket. Don't if you can only if you only need to check one box and it checks the entire ballot, something is wrong. Don't do that. I mean, seriously, come on now, people. How difficult is it to stand there for three minutes and check boxes? Right. Just just take the time. My goodness, you only have to do it once every two years. Uh, you know, check all the boxes, and if you have the opportunity, uh, go with the paper ballot. I don't know. Maybe there's some of these electronics where you can say, "Look, I don't want electronic. I want to do the paper ballot." Yeah. And uh, so I choose to do paper, and I think that's 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 what we need to do. Now, remember, I- you you have to pay attention to these things. What's the there's a floating an idiom ro- floating around it um it's not it doesn't matter who votes it it matters who counts the votes right, right kind of right. thing i forget how it really goes but, well, but that's you know, what we're dealing with here
1: i'll never forget we were uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name now but we um listened to the fellow who came from venezuela yeah and yeah he was talking about the voter fraud this was right. in this was oh, before my goodness, 2010 yeah it was or, it was or early right after on. 2010 or something like that and and he uh he was talking about the different voter machines at that time there were i think 3 companies that owned all the voting machines in America and mm-hmm. it, it, two out of 3 maybe three were venezuelan could have mm-hmm. been two out of 3 one went out of business but they were venezuelan you know hugo chavez companies right. that ran these machines and of course he was pointing out interestingly enough that the first introduction Of these Venezuelan machines was when Barack Obama won was in Chicago where Barack Obama won his uh, Senate bid
0: initially. Well when we get back after the break we're going to get into this really really important Fourth Amendment issue. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue but based upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And that's the Fourth Amendment. And that's very clear. I don't think there's much, uh, necess- n- you know, many words there that, that fall outside of common vocabulary. I don't believe that there there are many words there with difficulty in understanding their meanings. Uh, the only word I think that could fall under that questionable understanding is the word reasonable. However, as we have explained at Liberty First University, and has have how I've explained many, many times over the years that word reasonable does not need an external definition, it is internally defined. A reasonable search and seizure, according to the Fourth Amendment, is one that has a warrant that is based upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons, or things to be seized. Now, linguistically speaking, that and right there is a a very important conjunction because it's and and it's not or. And because that's an and right there, it means that all five of those criteria have to be present at the same time in order for a search and seizure to be reasonable according to the Fourth Amendment. All five. Not three out of five. Not four out of five. Not four and a half out of five. But now we have a problem. And it's, JC, it's the thing that we talked about that most alarmed us with Kavanaugh. Precedent. So we no longer look at the terms. We no longer look at the intent of the framers. We no longer look at how this is supposed to be written and how it's supposed to be applied. Instead, we look to its interpretations, interpretations that that seem at times random, that seem arbitrary, that seem to be fluctuating here and there, depending upon who's doing the interpreting. And this case comes out of Michigan, and it's it is a case about search and seizure. And I want us to look at this case because it wraps up all these problems. We have a police officer by the name of Dawson. We have a man who's on probation by the name of Brennan. Now, we don't know what his original crime was. We don't know what he's on probation for. But we know as a term of his probation, he has to submit to what they call as random breathalyzers which means that an officer can go to his home without notice and tell him to blow into a portable breathalyzer machine. That's the term of his probation. So what happens on this particular day? Dawson, the officer, is knocking. He comes up to administer this breathalyzer. And he's knocking on Brennan's door, but nobody answers. So he walks around to the back and knocks on the door and nobody answers. So he walks around the house and knocks on the windows and nobody answers. He goes back to his car. He turns on his searchlight. It is the evening time. It is night. And so the sun is down. The searchlight is very bright. And he turns on his sirens on his vehicle and continues to knock on the doors he tells the dispatcher that the siren is on, quote, as loud as she'll go. And Dawson notes in his police report that he parked the car close to Brennan's house. Now, 90 minutes after the officer arrives, Brennan voluntarily exits his home. Dawson The officer, in those 90 minutes, never sought to get a warrant, never called for a warrant, never left to get a warrant, never never ever went for a warrant. When Brennan took the breath test, it registered zero. And then Dawson, Brennan tells Dawson he was ill, and that's why he did not come out. And then Dawson arrests him for not answering the door the question is did Dawson violate his rights by staying on the property for 90 minutes banging on the door
1: The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's
0: lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co host JC Hall. We're getting into this issue of. Um, government authority on your property, the rights and privileges of the people and the question is after 90 minutes of walking around, banging on the door, banging on the window I forgot to mention in the last segment JC that the officer took this uh, you know the police, yellow police tape, you know don't enter here, police kind of thing and wrapped it around Brennan's video camera that he had on his front porch you know the. ever that's just weird right? it's very weird and then he continues to stay on the property banging on the door f- uh, well turning it wasn't his just
1: staying it was a, so he says he walked around he
0: yeah.
1: circled about 10 times yeah. he's looking in the windows looking indoors, you know that sort of thing it's it the, it's interesting because and you mentioned this cartilage, which i had no idea of so it's it's a really interesting
0: yeah we talked about curtilage curtilage yesterday so um just to to lay the foundation because we haven't talked about that again today but uh historically uh you have a a definite right to privacy in your property of your home which includes the curtilage now the curtilage is defined as everything from your gate your fence your property line to the door
1: yeah yeah, you're so the s- property that surrounds your home.
0: Yes, exactly. So,
1: which I—that's what I thought was the educational parts. Like, okay, I never really kind of thought of that. I mean, I guess you know, you, you think about there's my fence, there's my gate, mm-hmm. but so it was interesting because that was that was the issue because you can't say, oh well, he busted into his house. Right. No, it was about the, right the Fourth Amendment question was about the curtilage uh-huh. and, and the fact that he didn't get a warrant. That in right. all that time, that's where the time 90 came minutes. in, what yeah. you needed to do was go get a warrant, and you didn't get a warrant. The funny thing, the, the crazy thing about all of it, to me, well, several crazy things, but one thing was uh, the guy didn't do anything. He, he, so he's convicted of what they called simple assault. Mm-hmm. Initially, he's on probation. The Probation, you gotta submit to uh, right, you're you're prohibited from having alcohol, mm-hmm. so therefore you have to submit to those random uh, breathalyzers to verify that. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually came out and took you know within the little over an hour took the breathalyzer test and there was no alcohol in his system.
0: Yeah, and he arrested him. And anyway. he arrested
1: him. Right. So that's the crazy like.
0: No, he. Well, so you basically
1: arrested him because he made you mad. Well, right. You're using he didn't immediately submit. As an excuse, right? He well, was, I was not arrested for not submitting to a random drug test. He was arrested because he made the the police officer angry.
0: Well, yeah, and that. Period. Well, and
1: you could. Can, can the idea
0: was that the officer's grounds was he did not immediately submit okay, because that's my the point. right because that's an the excuse. officer right. Well, I agree with you, but <laughs> that the officer believed he was in the house, mm-hmm. believed he heard him yeah. in the house, and he
1: wasn't coming out now. He says he was sick.
0: Yeah, he said he was sick. Now, Brennan um, sues the officer and the sheriff's department for violation of his right to property and privacy, okay? And he sues the sheriff's office because he believes that the sheriff negligently did not uh, teach his officers the standard of search and seizure. But here is the problem. The court says that, that the officer and the sheriff get what they call implied immunity because the quote-unquote law was not settled.
1: Well, this is at the, in the very first paragraph. So a couple of things that jump out at me with the uh, opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. Number one is at the very top of the opinion. It says not recommended for full text publication. Okay, <laughs> that's that's at the very top of the opinion, right? Yeah. I uh, wonder why that is. So in the first paragraph, it says uh, it's talking about how well a Fourth Amendment case has twists, and those twists, as they do often, it says quote mean that even actions that violate the Constitution do not lead to liability.
0: Yeah. And we, that's we what we're talking that, about here. That's the qualified immunity yeah. thing that, that I want to get into. So
1: the whole opinion says several times, yeah, uh, what's the guy's name? Brennan. Brennan uh-huh. Yeah, he was right.
0: Yeah, but, but. Too bad. No, and that's the whole thing that I wanted to talk about here today. Over and over and over again, this court says, yes, Brennan's li- rights were violated. Yes, we agree his rights were violated. But.
1: We're the government.
0: The "Quote unquote law was not settled," and here's the thing: I've got I've got like four pages of notes. I don't want to get into that because I think that's probably too deep for what we're doing here. But I want to I want to show you that what they did was they looked at case law and precedent, and they're tossing back these cases to and fro. They have this case called. Um, Uh, Jerkins. They got this case called uh, Atkins. They got this case called Hayes. They got this case called Morgan. And they keep tossing these cases to and fro. And uh, they, they also talk about this license to enter. And so they say, although the Fourth Amendment protects curtilage, a police officer has an implied license to enter the curtilage and attempt to speak with the home's occupant, even if the officer lacks a search warrant in what they call a knock-and-talk investigation. However, they say, the cases uh, set no specific limitation on how long officers can continue to search for an occupant who they suspect was inside but was not answering the door. And then they say, well, this case says this and this case that says that, but we're all pretty sure that the, quote, social invitation does not last indefinitely. And I know this from my law school days, and they repeat it here, this in, in Jardines and all these other cases, that an officer has no greater license to remain on the property than a Girl Scout or a trick-or-treater. Yep. That's that's the standard. OK. And so.
1: Yeah. So if trick or treater was now at the back of your property looking in your windows. Right. Uh, no trick or treater.
0: No trick or treater. Right. Don't do that. Not only that. If Brennan had a fence with a gate and the gate is shut, the officer cannot enter because the trick or treater cannot either. Right. So if just little PSA out there, if you have a fence and a gate and you're leaving and you don't want people on your property, legally speaking, you've got to shut that gate because an open gate in the eyes of the law is permission and license to enter yeah. for a certain social period invitation. of time. A social invitation is an open, in and what they say is an implied invitation extended to, quote, all guests.
1: Meaning... It's okay if you come up to my door. Right. Right. Not that you can walk around and start looking in my barn, looking in my windows, walking all around the perimeter of my house.
0: So they toss back and forth all of these cases, right? And it, it is absolutely stunning to me that they come back and they say, uh, yes, okay, Dawson could not linger on the curtilage for more than 90 minutes after no one inside the home answered the door, this is true. After they've settled all this case law, right, their, their god is precedent, and we've determined through all of this precedent that, that it's true his rights were violated. But they say we have to strike a balance between specificity and generality. We must determine whether it was clearly established that a police officer could not repeatedly enter and pass through the curtilage of a home when the officer had reasonable grounds. There was someone inside the home, and the officer was trying to conduct a probation check. And so they go on and say Brennan argues that The case law clearly establishes that he couldn't linger, and we agree with that. But this is still a very close question, they say, which is really, really sort of mind-boggling to me. And they say because these two cases, called Hardesty and Jardines, seem to be uh, irreconcilable with each other. They seem to uh, have some factual differences And uh, because one case law seems to suggest that there is good law at the time of the violation... We can't conclude that the other case law was what we, what we needed to go by and that the one clearly prohibited Dawson's conduct, but the other one was a little bit questionable. And Dawson thought he had the right to take reasonable steps to contact the home's occupant, such as knocking on the door and the windows of the rear of the home. So it's not a matter of what is the law. It's a matter of what the officer thought. Right. So that's the bottom line they come down to. And they said that uh, uh, the sheriff is not uh, is not liable either for lack of training because the policy, I- if the policy or custom causes constitutional violations, that's one thing. But they have to be deliberate and, and a deliberate indefinite in, in deference and they can't be deliberately indifferent if Are you ready? The case law is not settled. (laughs) Okay? So you see the confusion here. And I hope that you couldn't follow a single word I just said. Because that's the whole point. Because we have allowed the justices... To take a p- p- apart the words of the Fourth Amendment, rather than applying them through intent, through common sense, and through l- you know real understanding—not logical understanding, not not this this equivocation of terms—we have utter confusion. And now we have a situation where we cannot even train officers. On what the rights of the people are because you can't keep up with the case law from day to day right so you you set up a situation where no one is ever liable in the government
1: which means they can do
0: whatever they want which means they can do whatever they want and so here's the bottom line the only clear thing that you can come out with the courts is this they're idiots They're either idiots or they're intentionally deceiving so that they can create a shield for the government that pays them. Now, if you want to be safe, here's the bottom line you can get. Have a fence with a gate, keep it shut. Don't ever have any open invitation. And hang a sign that says, if you want to enter, get a warrant.
1: Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
0: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. No warrant shall issue, but based upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched or the persons or things to be seized. I don't think it gets more simple than that. And the thing that, that just really, really irritates me in this entire case is that the court says time, it's like you said, JC, the court says time and time again, yes, his rights were violated. Yes, his rights were violated. But nobody's liable because we created, the courts have created a confusion to shield them from liability. And that's not going to get any better. Now, this case could go to the Supreme Court. This is a case of unsettled issue, and it could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Now, I want to show you how this works in the Supreme Court. I see, I see. Uh, there's only there's only two questionables now on the Supreme Court as far as this case is concerned. That would be Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. Okay, uh, Tom. Um, what's his name? Thompson. Thomas. Thomas. Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas will side with law enforcement. Yeah. He always does. Everybody else will side with law enforcement. Even, even the liberals will side with the law enforcement in this case. Gorsuch will not side with law enforcement in this case. Gorsuch has already thrown down the gauntlet as far as the Fourth Amendment is concerned, and he has been very detailed and told us about this. So where does Kavanaugh sit? Well, unfortunately, yeah. Kavanaugh has already made his, known about the, his views known about the Fourth Amendment in his prior precedent. He will side as Thomas will side with the government in the Fourth Amendment. Because he believes that the government should have an unlimited authority to search and seize based on the needs of the government.
1: So lock your gate.
0: So lock your gate, people. (laughs) Lock your gate. I mean, it doesn't even have to be locked. Sad. But it does have to be shut and it does have to be latched. And if you don't have a fence, put one up. Even the court says... A a, a little white picket fence, you know, knee high that you could step over is still a boundary line for your curtilage. Uh, How sad is it that you have to have clear, you have to have clear boundary lines because the courts do not. And so that's what I want you to do. Now, look, something really questionable has come up in the news. And uh, we're going to talk. We don't have time to talk about this. This is going to take a show like, yes, like today. So we're going to talk about this tomorrow. So Donald Trump does an interview on Axios on HBO and claims that Congress and his legal advisors have told him that he can write an executive order that removes the birthright citizen privilege of, uh, of aliens. So he tells HBO that he will void the birthright citizenship law through executive order. And Congress has told him he can do this, and his legal advisors have told him he can do this. So we need to talk about this, because this is very, very serious. This is a very serious allegation. This is a very serious assertion of authority by the office of the president. And if Congress is truly on board with this, this is a very serious assertion for that check and balance on the legislative branch. And what makes it even more serious is that if Donald Trump does this, this will be legally challenged and it will be seen by the Supreme Court very quickly. Okay, and the question will become a matter of the 14th Amendment. The uh, question is, what does, quote unquote, the jurisdiction thereof in the 14th Amendment mean? And that means this current Supreme Court will answer that question. And I know that a lot of people have a lot of faith in in Kavanaugh coming on board and tipping the scales. But on this issue, I don't think we want the Supreme Court to be telling us who will be a citizen and who will not because we have left behind the standard of citizenship a long time ago. So tell your all your friends, your family members, gather around the podcast tomorrow. We're going to talk about this and we're going to get into the constitutional standard and not the precedent and con- by governments God bless you guys we'll see you tomorrow let me know in my heart when my days are through um.